Hello, beautiful. I'm your host, mindset coach and travel junkie, Samantha Roberto, and I am super excited about today's episode. You may notice that my intro is a little bit different and I'm coming in with a newfound energy and that's because my partner in crime, who I'm featuring today, said that I needed to come in a little bit stronger. So here we go. (laughs) I honestly can't even take it seriously. He is in the background right now on Zoom guiding me through the intro because we really did want to collaborate on this whole entire episode together and I am so excited about this episode. We are going into, I believe it's episode number 44. We are almost a year in of producing this and for the entire year there has been no males. It's been a woman-only space so far except for today I thought I would switch that. I'm really, really in all seriousness, really, really excited to share with you my relationship, to show you a little bit behind the scenes of a really important part of my life and share with you someone who has been a catalyst of so much growth and expansion and just a lot of really good times. So for all of you guys, I frequently get asked about my relationship and I just thought, you know what, why don't we just bring him on? And why don't we just have a raw and real conversation to show you guys what's up and let you kind of take your own opinion from there and see what you can learn. If you're in a relationship, hopefully this serves you. If you're looking for a relationship, hopefully this serves you. I really do think that our partnership is just a beautiful one and I'm forever grateful for the story that you are about to hear in this episode. So We actually cut this into two parts. Part one is how we met, which is very, very exciting. Get to meet Mr. Simon Binsady, my partner. Get to know his background, where he's from, his remarkable journey. I don't say that lightly. It really is one of the most incredible journeys I have ever heard in my entire life. And I've heard a lot of stories throughout my travels. And you're also going to get to hear the behind the scenes of how we met. And I've been told multiple times that whenever I share this story, that it is one of the best how you met stories to date. So I really, really hope that you feel the same way too. Anyways, before we start, I'm going to get you to pause this for a second and go find Simon Bensady on Instagram. You can go stalk him and see what he's up to because he really is doing a lot of really amazing work in this world. And I get to have this moment of being a proud girlfriend. So go check him out. And I hope you enjoy the episode. And one thing I really noticed listening to the episode again was just how cute his accent is. I swear when he talks, it just makes my heart melt. And I know you ladies are going to love it too. So on that note, let's get to it. Hello, Simon Binsady. You guys are invited to a couple quarantine date night. It is 1030 at night here and Simon and I are have been separated by a border for going on almost four months now. Uh-huh. Isn't it wild? Yeah, it's it's crazy. I, I think, uh, yeah, we live in a very, uh, you know, uncertain times and I'm just super happy that we, you know, at least talk every day, support each other every day. Um, a lot of people are going through something, you know, right now that everyone is kind of like challenged, especially relationships. 
and uh you know having you know a very very conscious supportive environments is very important to create that within your own relationship so i'm happy to be here i'm finally in your podcast so i'm excited you're officially the first male on our podcast too it's been only women thus far so you're breaking the ice for that. And we are also breaking the ice for you because you've never been on a podcast before. So this is two firsts. A first for both of us. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's it's my first time. And it's, uh, yeah, I couldn't have asked for a better podcast to be on for the first time. I also wanted to just acknowledge you and everything that you're doing. I've witnessed you growing this show. I've seen you, how you started this, you know, in one day. I've never seen somebody with such determination and uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm proud of you and, and I'm happy. I'm proud to be part of this show. And uh, also let's talk relationships. Let's talk relationships. And you know, that is fact check. Like I actually launched, recorded, edited, produced, came up with my name, yeah. did my logo, did absolutely everything in 24 hours to launch a show. So for anybody out there who wants to start a podcast or if you have something that you want to do, honestly, if you just put your mind to it and you just go in, this is a testament that it can be done. Yeah, that was a whole different level of work <laughs> and dedication that I've ever seen, you know? Yeah, it's also attractive, you know, to watch you like, you know, believe in your idea and, and, and go for it. Not everybody got that confidence, you know? So... Congratulations. You didn't babe. expect it either because prior to that, like we had been dating oh, for hell no. <laughs> right? And yeah. you never really see me because I was sort of passive in the background, doing my thing, very chill, like just like really in a period of giving myself space to allow my yeah. creative idea to come up. And when it did, it was just boom. Oh yeah. This woman means business. Let's go. <laughs> it's like Sam 2.0 kind of like showed up that day. You know, <laughs> and it was interesting. And then, you know, you went to the mastermind and you start learning. And also, like, we face a challenge with anything you're doing. You know, you're always a good student and you're always looking to learn. It's good. And you vice know, versa. Proud of you. You're an excellent student, too, my dear. You've learned so much from <laughs> me. <laughs> Let's just level out the playing field over here, okay? Oh, On that yeah. note, though, yeah. you know what, Simon, I would love to introduce you to my audience. I would love if you could give a, I mean, you've got such a powerful story, but I would yeah. love for you to give an overview of who you are, where you came from, and just, you know, give us the lowdown of Simon Binsady. Simon Binsady, uh he's uh, Samantha Roberto's boyfriend, uh, partner in crime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I live here in LA. I have a uh, so I have a business in electronics for aerospace and uh, aviation. I also do 40 years and a half now coaching and mentorship for entrepreneurs to, you know, with successful stories to reinvent themselves to the next chapter. I'm originally from Morocco. Uh, I was born to a very poor family on a very poor village in the South and grew up uh, in a very tough environment. But I always had the love and support and the optimism of my mom. And uh, that was kind of like my guidance in life. And um, long story short, I moved out of the village uh, when I was 12 years old to go, uh, you know, pursue my, my, my studies. And uh, I think when I was 22, uh, I had the defining moments when I was sick with tuberculosis in my lungs. And uh, you know what, actually, I, I kind of want to go back because I want you to give more of the defining moments. Like if you can, like share when you were six years old, what happened? Just share the story. 
Yeah, so that was my first defining moment. When I was six years old, it was time for me to go to school. And uh, my parents were arguing a lot uh, because they didn't have the means to put me through school. And uh, uh, I will never forget that day because it was the day I grew up from being a kid, you know, to being a man and taking responsibility of my life and, and my mom and, and my family in general. So uh, that day, my mom took me on her shoulders and she walked uh, three or four hours to a distant village where this guru that everybody respected in our tribe, you know, and she told him about our situation, how she did not want to raise uh, a kid or more kids, you know, that are illiterate and did not go to school like her or my dad. So that man uh, knew somebody else who is kind of like well off and he figured out a sponsorship, like a scholarship, actually, for me and my brother for the next 10 years. And that's how I was able to go to school. So going to school, this is this is something that a lot of people don't know, even like my friends. But I used to walk one hour and 15 minutes one way to get to school. And I was six years old and a half. And then another one hour to come back for lunch at home or unknown. And then another an hour to go back for the afternoon session, uh, you know, around 2 or 3 p.m., all the way to 6 p.m. So that's, uh, you know, because there was only one school for, I think, dozens of villages in the mountains all around the area. So people had to walk to the central point where the school was. Well, let me just clarify. I used to walk four hours a day yeah, to go school. like one hour there, an hour back, actually even more because an hour and 15 minutes. So five hours a day, you'd be walking just so you could get your education. Yeah. Can we just like for a moment, slow this down? Can we just for a moment for the, the people listening just to slow this down? Because there's yeah. like, this is something that like, and even for us in a relationship, whenever we get into our moments or our fights or our arguments, just have our disagreements. Like it's that little boy that I keep in my heart. It really is like the little boy Aww. who like has overcome so much. And sometimes I just have to stop and go back and yeah. see how far you've come. Because number one, your mom, like even for you to go to school, your mother carried you on your shoulders yeah. and walked three hours to go ask somebody to sponsor you so that you could go to school. Yeah, I will never forget that. My dad didn't do it because he had too much pride, you know. He had too much pride to ask for help. Yeah, I owe everything to my mom. Like she really sacrificed mm -hmm. a lot for, you know, growing up so that we, you know, me and my brother and my sisters after that, you know. In, in some environments like that, you don't really have much of, aspirations you know you grow up and you can either work as you know an inheritance of your, your dad's job and you know or you, you're probably like a handyman or something you know like th there isn't really that much of hope for you especially back then you know like in the 80s in morocco like and this is before the internet before you know the globalization before we're all connected it's like all you know is what you see in your little village yeah so fun fact first time i came across the tv it was when I was seven years old, actually. They were talking about wow. TVs at school, and I, I didn't know what they were talking about. I knew some, like, rich families in the village. Like, they had DVD, not the DVD, the whole, like, HVS cassette, you know, on the TV and all that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so that was my childhood, and uh, it was really tough. I mean, you know, I had to overcome bullying at school and, you know, sexual abuse. And, like, I don't want to go into a lot of details, but, you know, growing up poor is not fun at all especially um, in, you know, in environments like that. When I was 12, I, I moved to Marrakesh, you know, to follow my studies. And then when I was 22, that was my other defined moments when I almost died from tuberculosis in my lungs because I 
you know, we don't have universal health care, so you don't go to the doctor till you really, really need to, right? So I didn't go till I couldn't, you know, breathe anymore. And then that, you know, we had to do an emergency surgery to extract a lot of liquids out of my lungs. And, and then for the first time in like eight months, I was finally able to take a long, deep breath, you know, something that we take so for granted, just like breathing. And that moment really changed everything in my life because I, I thought I was going to die. And then after that, I had to follow a six months treatment for, for this virus to, you know, to, to kill it. And it's so expensive. So my doctor sent me to, uh, like a government hospital that works with World Health Organization. And apparently there was a program that's paid by the United States of America uh, through the US aid program. So they pay for uh, life threatening diseases like malaria and TB and AIDS for, you know, for poor countries. So I applied and a few days after that, I got approved and I followed six months, you know, treatments. And luckily, like I was able to survive that. And during that time, I was doing small jobs by being a, a fake tourist guide at Jamal Fna Square, you know, it's like Times Square of New York. And I used to get tips and also ask people about books in English. And uh, that's how I came across uh, spirituality and meditation and all that. And then uh, I also build a sense of gratitude for just, you know, generosity of others, you know, and how this country, America, you know, is doing that to people who are in need. And in less than two years after that, I won a green card lottery to come live and work in the United States. And then uh, that was in 2008, 2009, I came here. It was deep recession. Yeah, so my first job was a dishwasher at a sushi bar in Riverside, California. I got my first car and then hit with something um, in, in August 2009. So a few months after I moved here, uh, they cut my hours and I had to actually live in my car for, for like four months or so. Let's just slow this down a bit because that was a lot. So you, when you were 22 years old, you were in Marrakesh, you got yeah. diagnosed with TB, yeah. which is really, really bad. You didn't have the money to pay for it. So you held off going to the yeah. hospital and then you eventually went and got checked and imagine this like you are infected with the virus that's about to kill you and you can't breathe literally like i was only able to take really small amount of air inside my lungs because my chest my lungs were filled with with liquids and my, my lungs didn't have enough space to inflate and that was that was a scary moment to be in i don't you know i'm pretty sure you know your audience some people have came across some experiences with their health that they almost died and you know people survived cancer people survived other situations so you you get to have a different sense a different feeling about life after that it changes totally. you for real and even now with everything that's happening with the coronavirus like with it because it does attack the lungs as well right it makes it hard for people to breathe that's yeah so that's another yeah that's another thing it's like for me i'm considered a delicate person kind of you know so i have a pre-existing condition in my lungs and apparently this virus you know attacks your lungs in a very aggressive way so it's very dangerous and that's why like i'm just you know being quarantined for for four months and i have to be careful so I mean, you, you can't just like sit down and complain, but do your thing, you know, um, be, be aware about the danger and, you know, practice some sort of uh, precautions to keep yourself safe. 
Um, but yeah, so overall, like in my story, just to kind of like summarize, I've always been in ups and downs. There's always things, you know, coming my way. I'm like, oh, all right, you know, so now I'm this. Okay, how can I overcome that? You see, uh, one thing that I've learned early on, I never used the word problem. I think uh, when you think with the word problem, you literally just block your mind from getting you to be innovative. And instead, whatever situation you're facing, either you know, call it a challenge or a, a situation. If you call it a challenge, you know, then your 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 mind instantly is going to push you to overcome that challenge. And if you look at something, you know, as a situation, then you're going to look into the positive side of it. So what's positive about this? See what I mean? So that's uh, that's how I think about it. So when I came here, life was not easy either when I first started, you know, in America. And uh, but I went on, you know, went to school and. Uh, you know, learned the industry that I wanted to, to be in and then uh, started my own business in 2012 and uh, served big companies like NASA, Boeing and, and TSAT. And uh, for the past two years now, I've been sharing this philosophy of like inspiration and, you know, helping people see a different perspective about their lives. And also I met you. And you also met yeah. me. I mean, there's so much power in a story. And I really have to say, I mean, I know yeah. you just kind of zip through that just to give an overview of your story, but it really is powerful. Like it shows one, you grew up with no water, no flushing toilets, like the poorest oh, yeah, of the that's, poor. That's the yeah. You know, like when you think poor, it's like next level. So Morocco in the eighties, you know, when I was born and also for most of the nineties, you're 99. It's a very, very poor country. Now, for the past 15 years or so in Morocco, like things have changed a little bit, but still there's a lot of poverty around, you know. My family grew up with donations of other people. And uh, that really kind of like opened my eyes about generosity and, and just having like an altruistic lifestyle where be of service to others. You know, no matter where you where you are in life, you know, what level you are in should always be, you know, in service to others because life is a gift. You know, totally. precious gift that we have to enjoy. Yeah. So even that, just like the, the lessons that you learned and the lessons that can be extracted from your story, you know, the preciousness of life and how to really just like live each day as if it's your last, because you do know mortality motivation. You almost died of TB. Definitely. Yeah. We have the tendency to take life for granted. Totally. And, and that really like plays in into how big do you play in your life? Or do you just settle down to whatever? And um, in our story, you and I, since we started dating, we have this thing about always trying to make, you know, any moment we have an epic moment, you know, if you're doing something. And because you taught me something that I had a hard time accepting and even seeing, and that was the, the no attachments, the impermanence, that mm -hmm. things change always, like People think they're going to live forever. People think they're going to be, you know, okay forever. Like you should always do your best, enjoy your moments and, and be of service to others. And people hold on to situations as if they're going to be there forever. And like when you do that, you take things for granted. You take people for granted. You take moments for granted. Yeah. I mean, you accept the fact because it is fact. And I always say this, like your hair yeah. doesn't get gray overnight. It is like, you don't just turn 80 in an instant. It's like you're constantly yeah. changing all the time. It's called anicca in San Sanskrit. But when you accept that things are always moving, all of a sudden 
you become more fluid with the movement. And all of a sudden, you can mm-hmm. kind of tap more into the flow. And all of a sudden, you're not so serious about the rigidity of life and you can have more fun and play with it. And I really do think that's something that you and I and our chemistry and our energy combined that we sort of look at each other and we challenge each other. It's very much a growth mm-hmm. relationship, but it's this back and forth and moving like energy that's really, really fun. And um, I'm just really grateful for it. Uh, me too. It's, and, and by the way, well said. It's a co-creation kind of like process. You come to me with a question or an idea and then I give, you know, a different perspective to it. Or I come to you and I'm like, hey, did you know this? And you gave me a different perspective about what I was thinking about. I think, you know, we, we're lucky to have each other. But let's get into how we met. Okay, so how we met. We have a little bit of a debate about the story. So how about I'll share the story and then you can fact check it if you want and then we'll leave it for the audience to decide. So long story short, as you can tell, we're both committed to personal development. We both believe in doing the inner work. So two years ago, we were at an event in Toronto at the Ritz Carlton, Mm -hmm. Robin Sharma's Personal Mastery Academy. It was Mm -hmm. a two-day event there, lunches included. So it was one of the lunch breaks on the Saturday, the day one of the event. And I want you to imagine a round eight-person table And I was just sitting there, it's buffet style, you get your food, you sit wherever and you have conversations, you're networking, you're meeting people, it's just open. So I was sitting there in deep conversation with the people around me. So in walks Simon, and I didn't see them, Mm -hmm. I got this part of the story later, in walks Simon, and I guess he had sat directly across from me. And the entire 40 minutes that he was there at the dinner table, (laughs) at the lunch table, I didn't look at him once. And yeah, that, 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 yeah, that was a heartbreaking, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) The funny thing is to me, like, I didn't see you on the table. Like I saw a table and I saw half of it was full. That's where you were with with the people. And the other half was empty. So I just went sat in the middle because I didn't want to talk to anyone. You know, like sometimes you get overwhelmed with a lot of talks. So when I sat down, everybody looked at me and they said, hi, they introduced themselves, except you. You were just eating and your hands, they were all over the place, you know, talking to the guy to your right. I was like, okay, maybe she's taken, Simon. And then I looked I'm around. I'm Italian. And like, okay, I just have to say, for anybody who knows, I'm Italian. <laughs> I speak with my hands. Of yeah. I've got like a lot of passion. Yeah. But yeah, the entire time I was I was eating, I was just looking. I'm like, I, I need to say hi to this girl. I don't know why. Like, I, I just felt that I needed to mark my presence lady hello you know like there's somebody here because you know something that happens to me it's like uh whatever like when i go networking or so it's like my allure kind of whatever i come across group of people then i naturally i found myself leading the conversation and in that table people were looking at me you know we're talking and all that and then i just cut short the conversation and i was just kind of waiting for you to just give me a hint or like look she's not wearing any ring so she's Okay, she's not married, Simon, but she's probably with the guy. Okay, respect. So after I, you know, after I finished my dish, I I left the table, and then right before I left the whole room where we had lunch, I'm like, I felt something was pulling me back. I have to go back, and just kind of like, yeah, I, I need to show her that hey, I'm here. I just need to say hi. I don't know why, you know. I exist. You needed. You needed me to know that you existed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanna. Yeah, it's exactly that. I was just like, okay. So here's the thing, Sam. Like we met people before, right? Like you and I. 
yeah, we pretty have a lot of similar, you know, kind of like playfulness, uh, but in a different aspect. You meet somebody and you just, if they're not giving you a look, then that's fine. You move on, right? Totally. It happened to me with, you know, before, but at that moment, it was like beyond my, my abilities. I have to show that I'm here, you know? So when I went back, that's when we kind of like bump into each other <laughs> and we exchange phone numbers. And So what do you think it was? Like, what do you think it was that was inside of you that really called you back to that table that day? Um, so the way I think right now, uh, I think, you know, when, when, when the soul meet another soul that, you know, they're supposed to be together or they're supposed to teach each other something or they're supposed to interact. You know, it's the higher force. That force you can't really control. The ego in you would have said, or the ego in me, for example, would have said, oh, you know what? Screw her. You know, like, who she thinks she is, you know? But I was at that time, like I was at a level of my spirituality where I was listening to those omens of the universe and just kind of like allowing things to come through me or happen, you know. And uh, and even like with how I got to Robin Sharma's event, I was in Morocco visiting my family. And a week before I flew back, I got an email. I was going through my emails at work. And then I got an email from Robin about his events, like get my ticket. I was like, okay, I'm going back to LA. It's going to be June. Um, I wanted, because I was doing like every month kind of like an event or something. I'm like, uh, why not just go to Toronto? I'm going to land a week after that, go to Toronto, do this event. You know, I love Robin Sharma's work. And uh, yeah, and then, uh, you know, see what happens after that. So that's when I got the ticket back then in Morocco. Like, so that's the whole force of the soul or your heart. Like you can't really like fight it. You know, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, there are, there are synchronicities that happen that are beyond you, you know? So I think that's what it was. And what's really yeah. funny, just because you just mentioned how you got your ticket, I'd love to just share how I got my ticket too, because it's the same thing. So I was in Vancouver at the time. This is about maybe a month prior to the event. And mm. I was doing a thing called B-School, which was Marie Forleo's program B-School. Mm. And in it, she had said that you should go to a different event every quarter. You should go to a couple events a year mm. and just you know push yourself. And and you brainstormed a bunch of people who you were inspired by. And at the time, I had one of Robin's yeah. books with me. So I wrote down, I'm like, I wonder if he has anything going. So I looked in Robin Sharma's events and funny enough, he did next month in Toronto, which is kind of like my backyard, yeah. right? Cause I'm from Thunder Bay. And then yeah. I remember looking and looking at the price of the ticket. And at that point I'd never spent, I think it was $2,400 for a two day event. And for me, I was like, Oh yeah, my God, that's, yeah. that's like a lot, you know, for a two day event. Oh my God. Like yeah. at the time it felt like a lot, you know, for, for that. And I was yeah. on the fence with what I was going to do. But something inside me was like, you need to go there. You need to be there. Just don't think anything. Just book the ticket and go. And honestly, like that philosophy for me has opened so many doors to the metaphor of booking the ticket and going. I can't even tell you. There's so often, like there's so many excuses, analytical excuses we could have. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't want to do this. But booking the ticket and just taking that leap of faith, you don't know what you're going to meet. Yeah, I would, I would highly recommend to your audience if people haven't read the, the book, uh, The Alchemist by, uh, Paulo Coelho. That's the book that opened my eyes about the omens and like how the universe is talking to you. And since I've read that book, you know, I've, it's a life changing thing. And, and also like what happened after with us after we met and like, you know. Oh yeah. Okay. This story is going to get better. 
it's all it's all like synchronicity. So totally. But anyway, okay, so. let's let's make this short. Go ahead. So we bumped into each yeah. other. Simon like it does small yeah. talk. He accidentally bumps into me. Oh, yes, for my number, God. and I'm open. I'm like, oh yeah, here you go. You know, I give him my number. I'm a realtor, is my background, so it's like no problem. Yeah. So that night we get together. We go for a drink. He was 40 minutes late. May I add? No judgment. It's okay. But then. Okay. And it's then, the Moroccan in me, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'm super punctual. Okay, so imagine this. So we were yeah. like, yeah, we'll get into this afterwards. But yeah. so we sat there, we had a drink. It was a lot of fun. And while we were having a drink, Simon actually just shared that he wrote poetry. And I'm like, that's amazing. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll bring you some poetry to read you tomorrow. I'm like, sounds great. That'd be lovely. So the next mm-hmm. morning, he comes and he's on the first coffee break at this event. He goes, Sam, 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 hey, I brought my computer. I want to read you my poetry. And immediately, I was just like, wall, <laughs> like, oh, my God, like, this guy likes you were, me. You were, you were, yeah, you, you were talking to some guy, you know, uh, like, excuse me, do I know you? Oh, man, everybody can that. see that. <laughs> No, no, yeah, but the energy, body language, that's what it said. I was just like, okay, sorry, go ahead. So the yeah. body language was, I felt like, oh my gosh, there's this guy. He brought yeah. his poetry. He's like literally the first, like 10 seconds of the first break, he shows up. I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's just intense. Yeah. And Moroccans do tend to have, like, because you have this, like, you have to fight for everything that you have. And I think that's an energy that you carry. It's a determined energy, but it can also be... Mm-hmm. For someone, especially who's sensitive, it can be overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's just it, it's more of like a presence kind of energy. A very strong presence. Yeah. Yeah. So all so day, literally, I felt like I was like dodging bullets. Like no, like not to say in a rude way. I would like see him yeah. coming at me, and I would like literally turn and go the other way, just because I would get scared. Like the type of personality that <laughs> I am, I just want to be friends with everyone. But the minute I think someone likes me run away so i avoided him all day until last half hour of the event robin's on stage Mm -hmm. and he says you guys have been great i want to give you something i have a t-shirt i have some hats who wants merchandise and there's about 400 people in this room everybody's Mm -hmm. hand goes up and robin looks out and he goes you in the back in the purple dress Mm -hmm. i can feel your (laughs) effervescent energy from here i need to know who you are and where you came from and i look around i'm wearing a purple dress i realize it's me Mm -hmm. it's like holy crap i get up i run to the front run on stage robin gives me the mic and i'm able to have a couple minute conversation with somebody who i would really look up to and idolize like really really mad respect to him it was such a beautiful moment to share with him so i go back down i sit down and imagine me on cloud nine, like literally the biggest <laughs> smile on my face, elated energy, literally through the roof and happiness. And then all of a sudden he calls somebody else. And then he goes, you over there in the back. And I look over, <laughs> super big smile on my face. And I look over and all I see is Simon running up and he's got his computer. I knew it was my moment. <laughs> <laughs> when I heard my name, I was like, okay, you got one chance. How can you gonna make it epic? I'm like, I brought this, you know, poem for her. She's here, and I'm just gonna go and ask him, you know, like to read it for everyone, which she she's part of everyone, so she's still gonna get it. That was the idea. So he goes, Robin, Robin, Robin. So there's a girl here, and I've been wanting to read her my poetry. <laughs> Cloud nine people. Oh, I literally 
sunk in my chair. My hands went like over my face. I was peeking through my fingers and I was just mortified. I was so scared. Either way, I saw a rainbow on your face at that moment, like so many colors. <laughs> you <laughs> my were face, so, yeah. my skin actually changed color. I was so scared. I was just like, oh my gosh. But just to kind of, you know, give the gist of the story, Robin agreed to read the poem which maybe you'll, you'll allow us to publish. Maybe we'll include it with the episode. And, um, yeah. and it was absolutely beautiful. It just showed a softer, more gentle, energetic side. And I was like, you know, for me, it took like that like barrier I had put up with you and softened it a little bit. I mean, poetry, like philosophical poetry to me, uh, is kind of like a window, like a secret garden where I go and, and, and the kind of like, channel some stuff that I sometimes I don't even know you know what I was talking about but also to me like what, what I learned with you it's so I grew up in a very tough environment and and in the society in Morocco a man should never express his feelings you know should never show his softer side which you know and I thought that's how you should you know behave but you know poetry kind of like bringing that side and also um, you know as we're growing in our relationship I mean um, I've learned a lot about that side, you know, that I had because you saw things on me that I couldn't see in myself and also mm -hmm. vice versa. And uh, that was, that was a fun day. I, I, I did get to have you listen to that, to that poem. And then one thing I want to highlight there, and you just said it, I just think it's really important for couples, yeah. for relationships, for anybody looking for a relationship. What you just said, mm -hmm. you saw something in me that I didn't see myself. That mm -hmm. is so so important. So everything yeah. is a reflection. And I used to say that the person that you're going to choose to spend your life with for however long you end up yeah. spending your, your time with, you want to be with someone who's going to reflect to you the best version of yeah. you and that you yeah. through their eyes, you can see what's possible for your life. And somebody who really yeah. just like holds you in your highest, truest, most divine, beautiful self. Yeah that reflection for each yeah. other. And like, and that really, at the end of the day, I think with our relationship, we do that. It's, it's beautiful. It's priceless. Like you have no idea, like a lot of other people wouldn't understand that unless, you know, they allow themselves to be vulnerable in, in accepting their truth as well, because it's like, um, you, you, you are so oblivious to your potential. Sometimes you are so like blind, cited by the the way you've been living your life and when you go into a relationship everyone goes into a relationship with the baggage you know i came into our relationship with the baggage you came in with the baggage but it was important it was important for us to hold the mirror for each other and be like hey this is what you're bringing is that gonna serve this is what you're bringing this is who you are this is what you can do and and then accept it and without a judgment and grow from there. I think that that was, yeah, that was really, that was an interesting point. And it's not always easy, right? Because when you have someone who holds the reflection or holds your highest standard or holds that to you, oh. you know, it can be challenging too. Like it really is a growth mm -hmm. situation. Yeah. But that's like the one thing I do want to say that whenever people ask me about our relationship, I'm always like, at the end of the day, I'm so grateful because there's been so much growth through it. Oh yeah. I mean, listen, like in, in the past year and a half, we've done so many things, so much, so much has happened, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything else. I mean, just to get, to get back to that night, to that yeah, day. Yeah. I want to get back to that night. 
So he read the poem. There's a softer side of him. I'm like, okay, this is like a little bit better. So a group of us all went and got a like drink in the, like in the lobby bar. And then it was yeah. about maybe 10, 10 30 at night. And I was kind of hungry. And Simon just said, do you want to go grab a bite to eat? I said, sure. Why not? I know a restaurant downtown Toronto. So we went to go to this restaurant. It was closed. We went to go to another restaurant beside it. It was closed. And I said, you know what? Let's just walk and see what we find. So as we were walking the streets of Toronto with no map, no anything, but all of a sudden there's this little light in this one little restaurant and it's flashing red on and off. It said Marrakesh. It says Marrakesh, which is for those of you guys don't know, Marrakesh is the city that Simon is from in Morocco. It's his hometown. So there's this kid from Morocco, there's this Marrakesh sign, and he's looking, he's like, let's go in here. And literally, it could have been like walking through the doors, like through and through, it was an authentic Moroccan restaurant that everything, the decor, the feel, the music, the food, it was Morocco. Yeah. Next time we go to Toronto, we should go visit it again. We got to go back. That was, so you asked me earlier about what was it that made me to just kind of like go back when I first saw you. You know, that energy that kind of like just felt there's like a power within you. And that's how I felt when I saw that. I'm like, okay, a Moroccan restaurant, really? Like, what are the chances? You know, and you've been to Morocco the year before and we had a really nice conversation there. And that's when I was like, okay, this is not like any other date. This is not like any other person that you meet. You know, you have to pay attention. So, yeah, that it was, was another omen. You mentioned the omens earlier. It was another like, omen, it was another yeah. omen was right? Another omen. So omen is a sign yeah, yeah. from the universe. It's like a synchronicity. It's something that's just like so on point and so like, huh, you kind of notice it. And it's so important to follow the omens in your life because they really will guide you to what you need to do. Yeah. So that night we had dinner. You went back to your hotel, went back to my aunt's place. And I just left the next day. Like it was just sort of a, okay, yeah, so yeah, we kind of like hold, you know, just kind of like, okay, I know you. And then what happened? I think you went to Vipassana after that for your first time. The next day, I went for my first Vipassana, which is a 10 day silent meditation. So there I was. I just met this boy. He sent me a really cute text yeah. and I went to silence for 10 days. <laughs> and so, like, imagine you meet someone, you know, and you just kind of have this moment. There's sort of something there. And then you go into 10 days of just like nothingness. <laughs> so well i bet i was in your mind for all those 10 days like nothing else was there <laughs> you just like <laughs> totally i know i thought i did think about you but there was just oh. i mean it was such a crazy experience especially your first meditation like that it was pretty wild mm-hmm. but i'll i'll never forget like getting through i mean and that's a whole other episode i actually did an episode on the yeah. for anybody who's curious and you wrote me something very poetic before we went in, you wrote me something super poetic. I don't know if you remember what it was. It was the last text I got before going into silence. And it was like so cryptic and beautiful. <laughs> it was talking about sunrises or sunsets. It was more about, because you had the intention of being, you know, having some sort of uh, transformation coming out of the Vipassana, just kind of like a reminder of it is possible. I don't remember exactly what I said, but it's it. like the most beautiful sunrise or something. But anyways, coming yeah, yeah, out of yeah. it, I remember I came out, I turned on my phone and I was just wondering like, okay, I wonder if this guy's text me and what's happening. <laughs> I finally got on Wi-Fi. I turned on my phone and guess what people? Nothing. Mm. Can you believe it? Can you believe I came out of that 10 day silent meditation with this man I just met who left me this poetic, cryptic, sunrise message and when I came out and finally turned on my phone there was nothing 
there, the story is only going to get better. So stay tuned. Honestly, looking back, I even can't believe it. And it's what happened. So the story is going to be good. Obviously, you guys know the outcome. You obviously know we're together. But holy moly, what a journey to get us there. And in next week's episode, we share a lot of the growth opportunities that we've had in our relationship, how we've overcome challenging times. We share how to attract the right partner because we both prior to being in this relationship, did specific things to call in the one that we wanted to be with. And also everything that we're up to now because there's just so many exciting things ahead and even looking beyond the fact of being separated by a border right now, we are just so anchored in our vision of our future. And I honestly believe that that is one of the biggest elements of our relationship that I love the most. So on that note, If you're new to the channel, welcome. I hope you enjoyed this first episode. Don't forget to go subscribe. If you love the episode, let us know. Screenshot it and put us in your stories. Tag us with your favorite part of our story. And until next week, keep being you. Be beautiful.